Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue our study on Ezra and Nehemiah. I want to do one more, at least one more today, segment on the gate of Ephraim that we have been studying. We started last week. The word Ephraim itself means double portion or doubly fruitful or to receive double. And uh, I, I'll read to you the text where I'm taking this Ephraim gate from as we continue to study the 12 gates of Nehemiah. These 12 gates all speak of an experience or something that gives us access into the restored city of God. And again, I can't keep re reviewing everything, but the New Covenant city of God is not a place. It is a people. It is the community of faith. It is the bride, the Lamb's wife. It is the New Covenant community. It is what Hebrews 12 calls, for you have come to Mount Zion, and you have already come to the city of the living God and to an innumerable company of angels. He says that right behind the heels of saying you did not come to blackness and darkness. You did not come to a God who's going to say, if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through with a dart. That was Mount Sinai. That's the old covenant. But he goes on to say, but you have not come to that mountain. You did not come to blackness and darkness. You did not come to a God who says, stay away. You did not come to fear and trembling. Sadly, that's the mountain we bring people to every week in the American church. But thank God that somebody's preaching the new covenant. Not just me, but many others. But he shifts right there and says, but you have come. You are not marching to. You're not one of these days going to be. Somebody said, well, what about Hebrews 11? The Bible said Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Yes, and in Hebrews chapter 12, we find the city he was looking for. Abraham, by faith, was looking for something that you and I receive in the new covenant and that is a city whose chief architect is God, a city built upon the foundation of the apostles. The apostles of the Lamb laid the foundation of this city. It's not a literal concrete foundation. It's not some planet floating out there on Mars. It is a people, the bride, the Lamb's wife. It is the new covenant community of faith. It is you, a city set on a hill, that cannot be hid. And in this reformation that I'm talking about in the restoration of these 12 gates, it speaks of access into the dimensions of the new covenant. Let me read to you so I can uh, touch this Ephraim gate, and then uh, I think we'll have be able to conclude probably today on the Ephraim gate. Uh, at Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 8, 9 through 18, 8 Nehemiah 8, 9 through 18 says, And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, which means the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, the Levites, taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of this law. And I showed you the last segment, how when they restored the, this, this Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated outside the Ephraim gate, at the Ephraim gate, they read the words of the law. But in the New Testament, Jesus, who is the Tershatha, or the governor, comes on the scene. He doesn't read the words of the law. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And He's come to wipe all tears off of our faces because this is not a time of weeping and sorrow and mourning. It is a time of joy 
and celebration and a time of ingathering. He goes on to say, then he said unto go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be you sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe when you get a revelation of this new covenant and all that Jesus has done and His redemptive work, it will cause your joy to come back to you and the joy of the Lord will begin to be your strength. I think so many of our problems in the church today are problems because we are connected in our thinking to the wrong covenant. We are connected to, uh, you, know, you know, much of the victories that we seem to win and lose are because of battles that we fight in our mind over preaching the wrong covenant. We uh, Listen, in the new covenant, Adam is dead, the devil is defeated, the battle has been won, and Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to be able to send portions of that to whom nothing has been prepared and send a message of the gospel. That's what we're doing through this television program with your help, is we're sending portions to whom nothing has been prepared. And people are hearing a message of joy, a message of gladness, a message of redemption that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. God is not calling us to come back and do what Ezra did and read the words of the law and get everybody to mourn. He's trying to bring us back to Jesus, the mediator of a better covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, where we find out that there's a place of rejoicing. And we will see Jesus also comes into the city of Jerusalem. By the way, during the Feast of Tabernacles. And in John chapter 7, verse number 37, it says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man's thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit that they believe, that they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. See, what he, Jesus on the Feast of Tabernacles, at the split second when they are ceremonially about to pour out a drink offering, what they would do by ritual is I believe they would read the Psalms of Ascent and they would ascend the steps of the, of the temple. And at the moment of the time of the pouring out of the drink offering, Jesus steps up on a pinnacle of the temple at that moment while the priest is about to dump a physical pitcher of water out as a drink offering, Jesus stands up, hallelujah, and He declares, If any man's thirsty, let him come to me and drink of the water of life freely. I love what He says in Revelation 21. Let him that's thirsty drink, come and drink of the water of life freely. Another translation says, without cost. In other words, it's not you paying for it, Jesus paid the full price to give us a drink offering that will not only satisfy the longing of our thirst, but it will be in our belly a well of water springing up into everlasting life because He was talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit when God Himself, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit would come and live in us and take up their abode inside of us. That would be the ultimate Feast of Tabernacles, would be behold the tabernacle of God 
is with men, Revelation 21 says. But the Message Bible translates says, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. He has made His home with men. That's the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's an ongoing, just like Passover is something that every believer can experience in every generation, just like Pentecost is an experience that every believer can experience in this life, so is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the third feast, the last feast, the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Joy, the Feast of Celebration, the Feast of God has moved in to the neighborhood. God has finally realized His dream. He lives in men, and not only does He live in men, but He's saying to them, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink of the water of life without cost. And as you go on through, even Revelation 21 said, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple thereof. In other words, what happens is, is that it is us in them and them in us. We are their tabernacle and they are our tabernacle. We dwell in them and they dwell in us. What a feast of tabernacles that is. And one of the things that I want you to see is that, let me, let me just read this to you because I got ahead of myself there, but they, they were celebrating this, this incredible restoration, this feast of joy, and they're saying, this is a day that's holy to the Lord. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, Send portions to whom nothing has been prepared. But it says, and on the second day, this is verse 13 of Nehemiah chapter 8, we're gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people of the priests and the Levites under Ezra and the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. Now I told you a minute ago that Jesus came not to give us the law, but to show us that He fulfilled all the law so that because He has fulfilled all of the demands of the law, that we receive the blessings as a result of Him taking the curse side of it for us. He became a curse that we might receive the blessing. And it goes on to say, and they found written in the law of, of, of the, which the Lord had commanded to Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth under the mount and fetch olive branches, pine branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, Branches of thick trees to make booze, as it is written. And I, I told you and, and just a few moments ago that these branches of goodly trees to me symbolize people. You say, well, give me something scriptural. Well, he says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall, you know, you, you understand. In other words, there's places throughout the scriptures where they, uh, men are similar. When Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man, he said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees. And what I see even in this Feast of Tabernacles is they're the, they're the bows of goodly trees, but they are diverse. They are different kinds of trees. One of the things that I believe God is doing in this hour, because we are, believe, I, I believe, we want a great day of restoration and reformation is that I believe God is bringing together people from different backgrounds that don't normally grow together. I believe in this season, while there's a lot of upheaval and division in our nation, the church must lead the restoration charge. And what I mean by that is I believe that these that the only thing that can house the glory of this Feast of Tabernacles is when we can cross 
even ethnic barriers and realize that every ethnic group and every cultural group has something to bring to the table that the other does not bring to the table. Each ethnic group brings something to the table that the other needs. We need each other. And I believe as we come together, whether it's a palm branch or an olive branch or a pine branch or whatever kind of a branch of a tree you are, that when we come together and we begin to be weaved together as a booth or a tabernacle or a hut, it is in that that God can begin to restore His glory. I don't think it's an accident that during uh, the Azusa Street revival, when God poured out His Spirit at the turn of the century, in the early 1900s, that it was started by a black man, a white man, and a woman, all of which together were culturally against the norm. But when God began to bring that blending together, I believe He looked over the balconies of glory and said, right here is what looks like heaven. This is what will begin to shift the culture in the earth to bring my glory into the earth where there can be a flow. Because I'm telling you, the river that must heal the nations. Oh, I just feel so blessed today. But I think about Revelation again where He said that the, there was a tree of life on both sides of the river that yielded its fruit uh, 12 months out of the year. And the leaves, watch this, the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. I believe the reason I'm so passionate about this Reformation and what I'm teaching is because our help is not going to come from the White House. Our help is going to come from God's house. It's not going to come from the earth. It's going to come from heaven. And I think we're going to have to purposely find ourselves in places like Azusa Street and purposely begin to beat our swords and weapons into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks and stop learning war against each other and start to build a habitation of God to the Spirit where we can begin to be brought together as a house that is filled with the glory of God. It goes on to say, they made themselves, and they found written in the law of the Lord, which Moses had commanded, that the people should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and Jerusalem, saying, Go forth under the mount and fetch olive branches, pine branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of thick trees to make booze as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booze, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and the street of the gate of Ephraim. So we're talking about the Ephraim gate. And again, Ephraim's gate means double portion or doubly fruitful. It goes on to say, and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booze and sat under the booze for since the days of Joshua the son of Nun unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. Also day by day from the first day unto the last, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according to their manner. Now let me just tell you again that Ephraim Gate was where they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the place that means doubly fruitful or the place of double portion. I believe that this also can signify that, to me, the double portion could also speak of the, the double portion blessing. The blessing of Abraham would come upon both 
the Jew and the Gentile through the promised seed of Abraham. That to me speaks of a double blessing. He became a curse that we might receive the blessing. And then we find it again in Zechariah chapter number 9 where he said, Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king comes to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall, cut, shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from river even to the end of the earth. As for thee also by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit where they're in there is no water. Turn unto me, turn to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Today, even do I declare that I will render unto you, watch this, double unto you. In other words, double for your trouble. Jesus received double for everything that you had come under the law, Jesus was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement so you could have peace was laid on Him. The battle bow has been broken from Ephraim, and you're about to receive the double portion. The double portion also was the right of the firstborn. When you see the double portion fall upon Elisha, it wasn't because you could measure that amount. It was because the double portion was what was always given to the firstborn. The firstborn got an inheritance that was double what anybody else got because the firstborn was responsible to take care of the rest of the family. Of course, we know that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren, and He received the double portion so that, hallelujah, you and I could be have our needs met and supplied according to His riches in glory. I'm talking to somebody today who's been expecting trouble, but I'm telling you, you need to expect the blessing of God and expect the, the peace of God and expect that the battle bow has been broken and that you've received double for your trouble. I'm prophesying to somebody today and saying, you've been through a whole lot but this is a day of glad tidings to you. It's a day of rejoicing. It's a day of celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And I want you to see this as well. When he prophesied, Behold, your king comes to you, riding upon a colt the foal of an ass. That prophecy was fulfilled on Palm Sunday. When Jesus said in the Gospels, You will find a colt and the foal of an ass tied at a door, at a place where two ways meet. Loose that colt and bring him to me. On Palm Sunday, the Lord just stirred me with that text so powerfully. And He said to me, there's a colt tied by a door. There's a donkey at the door is what I titled the message. I think we sent it out on our message of the month titled, There's a Donkey at the Door. And the reason I titled it is because I believe that there is a donkey at the door, and it, there, it, it was tied at a place where two ways meet. Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, and He finds this donkey died at a, at a place where two ways meet. I believe it was the convergence of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It's a place where two ways meet. I would ask you today, what's got you tied to the door? It's time to loose it and ride into the new covenant, carrying the King of glory. 
I remember this little cartoon I watched with one of my granddaughters where it's called The Star, and this little donkey kept walking around in this treadmill, grinding out the mill and walking around in circles and grinding out the mill and walking around in circles, grinding out the mill. That reminded of me when I was in religion and under religious bondage. But a horse, white horse rides by carrying a king, and this pomp and ceremony of this great king rides in on this horse, and this donkey looks at those that were in this treadmill mill with him, and he says, that's my dream is one day I want to carry a king. And later on when Mary and Joseph are fleeing from uh, the oppression of Herod, uh, or they're fleeing from all the world is being taxed by Caesar Augustus, and, and all of a sudden Mary is coming into town and she's riding on a donkey with pregnant for Jesus. And what this donkey don't know is he's been carrying a king the whole time. But see, your king doesn't come to you riding on a war horse. Your king comes to you riding meek and lowly, riding upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. He's not coming to bring war because the warfare has been accomplished in the finished work of Jesus. And he's saying to you, you've come to a place where two ways meet. It's time to untie your donkey and enter in by the door. And I said, what door was he tied by? This was my question. And all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. He says, behold, I set before you an open door that no man could shut. I'm going to give you the key of David that will uh, open and no man can shut. That key of David was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, 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 that door that was open, he says to him, he says, I'm going to give you the key of David. I'm going to open a door that no man can shut. I'm going to shut one that no man can open. In other words, I'm going to shut the old covenant door and I'm going to open the new covenant door and I'm going to do it through the key of David because your king comes to you. The son of David came to you riding upon a colt, the foal of an ass on, on Palm Sunday and a door was opened. And then he goes on to say to that same church in Revelation, he says to them, uh, I'm going to open to you a door that no man could shut. And to him who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Remember, in Ezra and Nehemiah, they're restoring the temple and the city. And Revelation, he's promising them, I will make you the temple and I'm going to make you the city of God. Your king has opened a door to you. Revelation 3, the church at Laodicea, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Sup with him speaks of the covenant meal. It's the entrance into the kingdom of God because Revelation 4 says, After this I saw a door open. Same door he was knocking on in chapter 3. And then he said, I saw a door open in heaven and the throne was set. It is the same throne he promises them in Revelation chapter 3. So he's opening a door and they are riding in, to, they are coming into the realities of the new covenant and the kingdom of God. What's got you tied by the door? What's got you hemmed up? I think sometimes preachers especially, I feel like I'm talking to leaders You've tied your donkey beside an old covenant door and you're afraid to let, you're like John the Baptist. You're afraid to give up your ministry into that old covenant. John's disciples followed Jesus once John declared, right there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But John continued his old covenant ministry. 
I'm challenging somebody that's watching me today. You've been watching me for some time and you don't know whether you can commit to this or not. But I'm telling you, there's a donkey tied at the door and the Lord is speaking to you prophetically saying, loose him and let him go and tell him the Lord has need of thee, sir. The Lord has need of you, ma'am. God is calling you to be a vehicle to carry the King of glory and to carry a message of the Feast of Tabernacles that you have received double for your trouble and you've received double for your sin. God has measured out for you double and God's judgment is not on you as a believer that the blessing of God and the blessing of Abraham is come upon both the Jew and the Gentile and that you can return as a prisoner of hope because of the blood of His covenant. You can come up out of this pit wherein is no water. Because I'm telling you, when you come up out of this pit wherein there's no water, it's because on the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up that day, that great day of the feast, and He said, If any man's thirsty, let him come to me and drink of the water of life without, freely. And He's talking concerning the infilling of the Spirit of God that was not yet given. I'm telling you, we're becoming a resource, and we're becoming that place where God is restoring through. That's the Ephraim gate. That's the place of doubly fruitful. I might also mention that when Ephraim was born, his mother rejoiced and said, now the Lord will restore to me double. He will make me doubly fruitful. And it was right after she had gave birth to another son, uh, meaning God has caused me to forget all the hurt of my past, and I believe, I think his name was Manasseh. She had given birth to Manasseh. Then she gave birth to Ephraim. Manasseh's name means the Lord has caused me to forget or causing forgetfulness because I believe in the new covenant, God is causing us to forget all the hurt of our past, causing us to forget all of the bondage of legalism and all of the religious stuff we've been bound by. And he's causing us to become doubly fruitful. Hallelujah. And, 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 and doubly fruitful in a place where we've not been doubly fruitful before. I believe that's what this gate speaks of. We can enter into these gates and have access to the city. Well, we're about to run out of time, and I've got just a little bit more time, but I want to take a moment because I very rarely talk about giving except for just a few seconds at the end of our programs. But I want to take a moment and really challenge you and ask you uh, to get behind what we're doing. If you are enjoying what we're doing, what we're teaching, these messages are literally going around the world. And I know there are thousands of you that are watching, and we hear from very, very few of you. And sometimes even just the words of encouragement that you send via uh, the email at info at lenhouse.com are great encouragements to us. It's amazing to me that the people that do not like us have a hair trigger on their writing finger, but the people who love us don't tell us for years. But if you're being blessed by this ministry, write to us and let us know. Or sow something back into this ministry to help us to take this gospel of the kingdom around the world. There's not many, I don't think, that are teaching the things that we're teaching on this level. So if you're being blessed by it, we're asking you to join us to become a partner with us in the ministry as we continue to do this. Our broadcast reaches, I think, somewhere around 100 to 140 million U.S. homes on a weekly basis. You can set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a partner with us on our website at lenhouse.com. There's a place where you can give a one-time gift or you can set up a recurring monthly debit if you'd like to do that. Or you can send a check or money order in 
uh, you know, to the address that will come on the screen, or you can call the number that will come up on the screen. If you do not receive an answer, leave a message, and we will call you back. We have a limited amount of staff that are not in the office all the time. But do it today and become a partner. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.